should I go? Is that how we're doing this? <laughs> I'll, st I'll start this week. Welcome to Charting Change. No, that's not good. Welcome to Charting Change in Legal. I am Ari Kaplan, an analyst that covers legal, and I am so honored to be here with my friend Caroline Hill. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Caroline Hill. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider on another seamless episode of Charting Change in Legal. Amazing to see you and to speak <laughs> with you, Caroline. So we are finally here at the end of another year. Amazing. Even though it's not really the end end. It, we're not, getting for close. Us, not for those of us who used to do the lunch, their lunch, their working lunch recording on Christmas Day, but I will not be doing oh, yeah. that. Probably. I am the, not coming to your lunch on Christmas Day. I do, however, I think it's an interesting, you know, sort of entry point to this conversation because I try very hard to set any kind of resolution or change to the work that I'm doing at the end of November. I typically don't say, oh, it's January 1st some random arbitrary date. I'm going to do everything differently now. I'm going to set a goal today and, you know, lose this amount of weight or gain this amount of push-ups. Like I just don't do that. I usually try to do that at the end of November. Maybe it's a Thanksgiving thing here. Uh, but you know, frankly, by January, I know I'm not going to do something already. So why waste my time at the whole through, through the whole year of, of <laughs> stressing about it? Then I start the year fresh. That's actually the best way to start the year fresh. Already know you're not going to do something, and then you just don't bother. So uh, it's like when I, you know, I buy a gift for my wife, who I love very much, but she doesn't really like the gifts I buy. So I'll just tell her that I bought it, return it, give her the receipt, and say, "Honey, I was thinking of you." This is what I purchased, <laughs> and I've now returned it. Make everything much easier. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I really think that that's kind of where we, where we are at this moment. Given that you know it's a few weeks before the end of the year, of us sort of just thinking about like what happened, where are we going, but is there a way to get a jump start so that we can really start in a way that has momentum early in the year. That's a great show. And you don't really need to. You're so sort of, I don't see what resolutions you could come up with. I know you're doing that as a segue to, to, for us to actually talk about some work stuff, <laughs> which we will. Uh, but you, you, you're so healthy. I can't see that you need to make healthy. Well, yeah, well, not, not good. No, but I do think I, I like, for example, I just think that, you know, one of the things I wanted to do last year was to play more guitar. And I often find, I'm sure you find this when you're having conversations with people, when you ask people these kinds of questions, about, what are you looking forward to? What are you trying to do? It's almost never like, oh, I would like to review more documents. You know, yeah. it's always something personal that has meaning to them that's outside of work, but that kind of connects to who they are as an individual. And I downloaded an app, which I'm happy to mention. It's called Simply Guitar. I paid for it. And I'm on, you know, something like a 38 is that even right? Maybe it's a 40-week streak. And even though I only play a little bit every week, I play every week. And right. I play, you know, which is exponentially more than I ever played for years. And yeah. I think little changes like that can be really powerful. Uh, and each of us should be thinking about anything like that. You know, it doesn't have to be... Really, I agree, really and you'll be pleased to hear that I'm teaching myself Christmas carols on the guitar to inflict on my family over Christmas because it turns out that Christmas carols are really easy. They've got all of the chords that I can do on the guitar. So my poor family, they don't even know this yet, but they're going to be subjected to 
a rendition of really terrible because I've only just started playing <laughs> Christmas carols. I, I have a, I have this vision of us doing a, a podcast discussion and us bum, 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 bum. I can totally see this happening. <laughs> we've we, we've been recording for one minute. We've gone totally off the rails. <laughs> we can do. We'll just go. I do want. Let's not talk about work. Let's not talk about e-discovery. Let's not talk about the 2023 and some reflections. Let's just get our guitars <laughs> and we'll just have a jamming session. E-discovery day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, but I think it is interesting. Yesterday was e-discovery day, uh, given that we're having this conversation. A lot of events. Fascinating that that has uh, been a has had you know great staying power uh, yeah. over the years and uh, i was at a reception last night a holiday reception which was very nice in manhattan and uh i also attended the uh, memorial service for monica bay that was held in oh, new york city and, yeah beautiful beautiful uh speeches by uh, sean doherty her her former uh colleague and oh. her brother and it was a very very sweet and a lot of uh Folks who knew her and and uh, you know cared for her were there, and I was you know happy to spend that time reflecting. So mm-hmm. since we're another amazing, I have a very important T-shirt that says Segway King. So oh. since we since we are, I wanted to you know I was reflecting as we are yeah. now reflecting on the year. But so I've got some reflections on the year. But before we do that, I want to hear about your new. <laughs> GPT thing, which you've done. Uh, well, so I have been, you know, we have been all intrigued by what's happening with generative AI. It's it's no secret. And we also, I feel like every time you have a conversation about generative AI, it there's sort of, it, you end up on one or one, one side or another, you know, oh, it's got tremendous promise. Oh, you can't trust it. Oh, it hallucinates. Oh, there are all these negative things. Oh, it's putting out uh, fake news. Like, you know, just all these things. And I'm always like, aren't we getting distracted from the utility of this particular tool? Yes, anything can be used in lots of different ways. I want to look at it. How can we use it to create opportunities, right? How can we use it to empower people? How can we use it to promote growth in our field? And so I hired a developer to transcribe 313. I, I've recorded over 400 videos over the last eight years or so for my law accountability platform, just on you know different aspects of marketing and business development, follow-up, preparing for conferences, anything that you could struggle with, producing content, reaching the media, et cetera. And had this transcribed, I picked the 313 best non-repetitive videos and had it transcribed and put it into a Google Cloud setup that was coded in Python. I'm not really familiar with all the nuances of it, but there's an interface, it's it's raw, and you can ask it questions based on my content. And so I really think that this is going to become a pretty dynamic trend next year. So whatever we were reflecting on for 2023, I think a lot of people are going to find creating their own knowledge base significantly more accessible. And that is going to change the way we interact with with information and even with people. Because right now we have these sort of amorphous names, Siri or Alexa or whatever, and soon it'll be Caroline. What? Right? 
And it would be Caroline. What did Richard Suskin say the last time you interviewed him about, oh, Richard had a number of really interesting things to say. He's writing a new book, you know, and it will just. So I asked it a question and I said, oh, I met Caroline at a conference. Please draft a follow up email. And it actually said, can you tell me a little bit more about what you spoke about and was there anything in common, et cetera? Because I, when I suggest that my coaching clients do things like that, I ask them those questions. So it's kind of funny that it asked me a question. And so then I said, oh, say that Caroline and I are both Giants fans and we both went to the University of Michigan. And so it started drafting. Caroline, it was so interesting to see you at, at the Legal Tech Conference. It's crazy that we were both at the University of Michigan. And and did you find it interesting? Like, what did you think of the panel discussion? And then I said, add my Calendly link because I want to set up a call with Caroline because I always say end a an email with a question because then it prompts a dialogue as opposed to just saying i hope you're well anyway it was it was super fun so at my i had a breakfast yesterday uh you know i have these legal tech mafia breakfasts and i had one yesterday and someone else had created a much nicer more beautiful stylish version that you can do directly in open ai as part of your 20 dollars a month subscription to gpt4 uh, they have these. You, know, you can do. You can drop. You can do this. You can draft emails or through it. What, what's the beautiful thing they've created? You can create kind of like a knowledge base where you, as I understand it, because I haven't oh. created that one, yeah, where yeah, you yeah. can oh. you can feed it questions. So fine, if fine. I'm a, if so I'm a coaching client, or or let's say yeah. I do labor and employment, and I do yeah. advice and counsel, and I want to ask, you know, what are the three things I need to know before I think of uh, terminating an employee or something? Uh, yeah. There are just lots of these different ways to create a much more interactive kind of chat. Yeah. bot that we think of as as a chat bot i think that's brilliant um in terms of in thank terms you of full stop it's been great oh, everybody yeah. you've been a great audience wonderful <laughs> to talk to you <laughs> i mean to be able to and actually you've now made me think we should really be doing this because absolutely and, and then i was thinking could i could i make a business out of this like yeah. could i could i help all these other people create their own knowledge base. The thing yeah. that you and I have that others might not have is that we have like a massive body of content. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, all of your content over so many years. I could, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll take my 850 podcast episodes, transcribe them. I don't know what that would be, but it would be a really interesting knowledge base of legal tech and legal services mm -hmm. over yeah. a really, you know, interesting period of time. But there are lots of opportunities. I just think that people may not be digging you know kind of kneading through the clay as much as they could at this time and i remember in 1999 taking a html class in a in a local college and thinking huh and and so i didn't need to ever i learned html but i never needed because then PageMaker came out or Adobe, you know, there were all these different tools that, you know, you had these uh, WYSIWYG kind of features and you just put this here and put this there. And now all of a sudden that's what everyone does. But I think that in this case, uh, people thinking about their body of work and somehow centralizing their body of work in a way that makes it interactive mm -hmm. is going to really transform how we communicate. Well, I mean, it's because obviously this is what we write about, I write about with regard to law firms in terms of them doing it. Um, and it's funny because people have teased and said, 
you know, are you in the Bahamas and is is this article written by ChatGPT? And, you know, and the honest truth is that I've played around with it a little bit, probably not enough because I have a certain, I mean, you can obviously tell it to write in your style and all of this kind of stuff, but I, I just don't, at the moment, I just don't enjoy using it. Although I have seen some absolutely brilliant things out of it, you know, like I'm not suggesting for a minute that it's not fantastic, you know, like, so I, I, ho I hosted a meeting of 25 CIOs um, talking about where they are on the generative AI scale. And we, we, it wasn't Chatham House, but we had to be very careful because obviously the whole purpose was to get people to talk. I really wanted to find out how they're feeling, where they're at as kind of an end of year, you know, talk to me about what you're doing, what you're playing with. So we had to be careful. Um, one of the people that came sent me the most brilliant high level summary, um, which he'd done through his, their internal chat GPT tool and I said to him oh this is so helpful thank you so much and he said well you know where that's from don't you <laughs> but um but yeah in terms of bit turning it the other way I mean we've been going since 1995 and I'm not sure that a lot of that might be just interesting historically just to but you know to just see what it came back with I'm not sure that all of it would be particularly relevant you know the longer you go back the less relevance perhaps although the contrast going you know when recently I did I um hosted Charles Christian's memorial I went back to some of the earliest orange rags and it's so funny to hear some things are so not different like the, the, he was saying oh the biggest thing that people are doing this was in 1995 they're spending a lot of money on automation projects and you know and, all, and, and I was just like so much so much of it was like wow we think that things have changed so much <laughs> and sometimes well this point brings us full circle, right? I said that yeah. most of the time when I ask people what they want to do, it's something personal. So yeah. if I could add 10 minutes a day into my schedule and then be pretty methodical about using that 10 minutes for playing guitar as opposed to some nonsensical distraction, a lot of this technology is part of that automation trend that's been happening for a generation now. And I also looked at that this little chatbot and I was like, you know, this this could really answer different questions. But I'm really looking at it also from an understanding of how do we grow so that we are not replaced and not uh, eliminated in terms of our necessity. And I think that we don't often enough you know, we work for ourselves. I mean, you run an organization, but I you know, I work for myself and I I always think, how can I provide even higher value, right? Where is there a place that I can give someone so much more value than they're investing? And how can I do that again next year twice over? And if something, some of that value is eliminated because it's getting, they're getting it from somewhere else. Well, how do I change that and add that? And I think that people need to be realistic about, okay, yeah. this may not have the same personality or style, but yeah. it has a sufficient personality and style to be useful in many, many cases, if not most cases. And I think that that somehow, you know, tends to be controversial to say sometimes, but I'm like comparing what I'm producing and what it's producing and what someone else is producing. And I'm like, sometimes you just need an answer or a list or, uh, you know, something else. And I think more and more uh, there's opportunity there for people to incorporate their their knowledge if they were just to accumulate it into a central place. I think it's so cool. Congratulations. And I can't wait to play around with it. Is it publicly available now? How do people find it? It's only available for my friends okay. and for the four people that listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I share it with my children.
who, who summarily right. mocked it. And... You, heard it. you heard it here first. There is a benefit to listening to this podcast. You That's get right. a preview. Access of to AriBot. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, so let's but but reflecting back, tell me a little bit more about the work you're doing on highlighting the trends, the past yeah. perspectives and what people are looking forward to. Yeah, so it's been a gosh, well, it's a big end of the year, obviously. So we always with the last Orange Rank newsletter of the year, I always do reflections and, you know, we look back at the past year and it's never been so busy trying to pull together. Everybody wants to say, have their say on it. Everybody obviously is talking about what an extraordinary year it's been. And it's really interesting, the different takes, even from people of the same level. So it's been speaking to CIOs where, you know, some of them are much more bullish. Like I spoke to uh, one um, very senior CIO um, who was saying, well, you know, it's been a big year, but like almost like the jury's out sort of on Gen AI. Okay. There's that, there's that sort of take where, yeah, you know, we think, I think what they were saying was that, that the, I I don't really like the word hype because I don't think that it's it's you know true. I mean, it is hyped, but as we've talked about before, it that doesn't mean it's not real. But anyway, he's used the word hype and said, "Oh, this year's been over hyped." But what he meant by that was that the when people started talking about Gen AI in January, that actually not an awful lot of progress has been made by firms in particular this year. And from the conversations I've had, that is true. They've done a lot of thinking. They've done a lot of talking. They've done, this is not true of all firms, by, by, by the way, but as you know, but so they've done their preparation, right? They've done, and they're taking their custodians of their clients' data. So they're taking it carefully. Others have gone feet first um, and are saying, you know, we, we're doing X, Y, Z, we need to do more, right? They're, they're very much like running. Um, there's For them, the conversation has very much been around cost um, because it's really expensive. So Copilot, obviously, they've been having lots of conversations with Microsoft who spoke at Iltacon Europe this year. Um, and one of the key questions was around the, the cost. Um, and also because with all of the different vendors offering their own Gen AI um, products, that each of those will have a cost. <laughs> and so how do you manage that um, from a cost perspective? These are all pro practical considerations, but but nonetheless, you know, I spoke to one CIO who said tech budget, IT budgets will almost certainly go up. Um, but um, but it's you know there's a lot of focus on that on on kind of the practicalities. What one thing that's really interesting um, on the subject of practicalities uh, is I spoke to Richard Siskin. This is hot off the press because it's not come out yet, and it'll be on the Orange newsletter. So I'm completely ruining my exclusive. But anyway, <laughs> you heard it here first on our podcast. You four people. Um, so Richard was saying that firms are focusing on like logistical stuff, productivity, short-term gains um, and how they can use it right now, you know, which is fine. But what he said that he doesn't see an awful lot of firms doing is really considering how this is going to massively disrupt what they do and particularly with regard to clients. So he was saying that what this technology will do, as we, we know, but we perhaps haven't focused on it enough, is enable clients to do a lot of the work in-house that they currently give to law firms. And he said he thinks that there's a place for immediate productivity gain conversations, but there's 
also a massive place for longer term considerations on what do we do in two years, four years, five years? You know, how do we how do we guard against this? I, I know firms are thinking about it. I've spoken to firms who are thinking about it. They're smart people. Law firms, you know, they didn't get to be where they are by being stupid. It's, but it's, you know, it's just a case of how do you, how do you, how and maybe when? So the when is key, right? It's the, it's the innovator's dilemma. When do you start to really disrupt your own model? Um, and it's a challenge because uh, in the past, obviously, law firms have, regardless, c continued making money. We always talk about the billable hour, right? Why do we like, why, why do they change it when their revenue has gone up and they keep making lots of money and everybody's quite comfortable? But with this, it's a case of now is the time to start really thinking about disrupting the way you work, because if you don't, there's a really good chance that by the time you do, it will be too late, which I found fascinating. You and I both respect Richard. Obviously, he's respected industry wide. And when he says stuff, you tend to listen. This is not something perhaps that we're hearing for the first time. But when he speaks, it's extremely compelling. And and he was very much saying the time is that, you know, the time you, you may you may get to a point when you, you really don't have time to think about this, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah. And. What he's saying, uh, I feel like I have validated in many ways in some of my research. So every year I do a report called eDiscovery Unfiltered. This year, 2024 will be the 10th year I'm doing it. And I always ask about doing more yourself. This is to really focus on eDiscovery, but uh, from a corporate legal department standpoint, I always ask, you know, how much more are you doing internally? How much more are you planning to? And the number is always increasing, right? They're always – they're. Uh, Legal teams in-house in this particular area are always interested in doing as much as they can capably. And a lot of those people have already come from firms or other other vendors where they have been in the trenches and are really skilled and talented. The other thing that speaks to what Richard said is that I have the last couple of years been doing this research on uh, talking to law firm CFOs or law firm COOs, talking about profitability and hiring and, and expansion. And I will often ask questions about how much time are you spending focused on innovation and that kind of long-term thinking. And many of them share fairly low numbers because they just don't get the luxury. And it really is in many ways a luxury. You know, you and I are speaking here today about the end of the year, rushing toward the end of the year. And I'm telling you about, you know, building some chat bot. And the truth is I was focusing on that project in the in the like in the gaps of time when I was really trying to get things done and push toward the end of the year and so it's it didn't surprise me and he's completely right and yet as we get busier and try to streamline staffing and try to manage reduced budgets and competition in the market it just you know this there's, there's this incredible uh battle that's happening although I will say from an optimism standpoint, I feel like a lot of people expect next year to be a good one in the legal industry. I feel like they, people will either expand or loosen their budgets. There is a, there are just opportunities. People are obviously back in full force in terms of, of travel and meeting and, and considering dynamic ideas. And there's lots of investment in our space. So regardless yeah. of what people use, I think there's going to be a lot of expansion in terms of experimenting. That's what, so, so that was the sort of second, so, yeah. So just to follow on from your first bit that the innovation conversations. So Richard was saying that one of the big changes from this year 
is that tech has become within law firms very much a board level conversation. It's whereas although they they would have had touched on big projects like a new practice management system and how much it costs, you know, they, they would have had some involvement, but really it wasn't on the you know board agenda, not not in a big way. Whereas it is now, um, so that's reassuring from from you know the perspective of the making time to think about it. Um, but as far as next year, yes, yeah, so the person who I spoke to who was saying that this year hadn't really perhaps delivered in terms of you know meaningful changes they were saying that they think next year is going to be a big year I mean I know you were saying that it's going to be a successful year they were saying that it's going to be a big year in terms of real changes happening you know so the law firms that perhaps haven't dived straight into gen AI products he said you know they're probably you know going to be looking at co-pilots a big one that comes up um and um that they are going to start the ones that haven't already started really playing around or, or adopting technology gen ai technology will start doing it next year so i think i think it's interesting I think this year there's been so it looks <laughs> so it looks like next year we'll still be talking about it a lot not that we thought that it would be anything other than that but <laughs> but if we i suppose what what's interesting this year um this is what i asked them actually because i said this year there's been a lot of announcements from vendors um, there's been a lot of Gen AI beta launches um, and then those launches becoming, you know, real launches. Um, and but there's not been an awful lot from law firms, you know, in terms of, OK, there, there have been some. So A&O was quick off the bat adopting Harvey. There's lots of other firms that have. There are firms that I know of that I think are now public, uh, which are doing, have been early adopters of Copilot. There's lots happening, but um you know, it's been a lot. I think this year has been characterized by vendor announcements and 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 people going, "Oh, it's not even a real product." <laughs> Which, to be fair, some of them have been, some of them haven't been. You know, that's the thing with an early that's the early stages of change. You know, they they are doing the early stages of product development, right? Nobody's promising that this is what it's going to be like in five years' time. But yeah, so I think, but it has been characterized by vendor announcements um and i think what we might see next year is much more law firms saying you know we're using copilot or we you know we're doing xyz and being more confident about it also i would expect just given the nature of technology and how it's evolved over the years that that technology as expensive as it is will you know the price will will drop there'll be more competition there'll be different options there'll be different layers of how you can use it my sense is that it'll just become more accessible to folks. Also, I love seeing the people who have been in the trenches doing the work, experimenting, fighting the battles in many ways in knowledge management and innovation in law firms that aren't partners at those firms really out there having a, a moment of just showcasing what extraordinary work they're doing. And it's it's super fun and super cool. And they know what they're talking about. And they can sort of, you know, I was joking yesterday at my breakfast about my bot versus this other thing that someone put together that mine has good guts, but it doesn't look very good. It's not very stylish. And it was very, <laughs> it was very you know, it was sort of very reflective. Uh, and then this other person's bot was, was super nice. It looked great, very stylish. I wasn't sure what was going on inside. And I feel like there this year, the folks who have been talking about real use cases, which is what everybody wants to see, have found a way to really highlight the, the 
fact that the substance of what they're doing and the style and look is is they've combined it in a way that makes it really appealing that encourages usage that drives implementation but also works <laughs> it's not just good looking <laughs> and a fun interface at, in their office it works it it drives better compliance it it reduces certain kinds of risks and as those individuals and those teams continue to show that there's going to be as as richard has predicted but there's going to be an interest in the from the clients saying you know, I saw this on at a conference or I saw this online. Are you doing this? If you're not doing this, we want to see you do that. And that will happen much more quickly as a result. But you know what was so true? So, so it was fascinating. So I went to a Chatham House um, meeting, which was organized by Lex Fusion. Um, and I'm trying to find ways to write about it, but it's taking time because obviously it was Chatham House. So, but, um, but so what's fascinating is the current disconnect between client and the law firm so there was so I, I hosted this meeting of CIOs and so kind of have a good litmus test as to where many of them are at were the ones that maybe we don't hear so much from um and then you've got the clients who are saying they're sending their RFPs saying oh what are you doing with gen AI and how are we reaping the benefits from a cost perspective um you're already starting to see that combat between them and and I'm not sure if it's really helpful. I actually think right now there should be, actually, this is such an interesting thing. So so I have said in the past that I think there should be much more of a collaborative approach. It seems to me instinctively better, right? If you have an honest conversation between clients and law firms um, to say, right, well, where are you at? And how can, you know, if we if we if you're not using this and you're not passing on the cost, then we should be having a conversation about it. But what's interesting as and when they become more competitive, how that will impact that suggestion, right? Like, so already I feel that, I mean, they've already always had because of the costs and, you know, these RFPs have always been, oh, it's so unreasonable and they're asking for this and they don't know what they've, <laughs> there's always been that competitive nature in that sense between clients and law firms. Um, but right now, it, 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 it's, it's just, they're at such different levels in terms of what's, what's the reality of what's being um what's deliverable in terms of cost savings at the moment not much no one really knows what they're saving no one's really doing anything substantive because they're they're custodians of clients data they're taking it quite slowly they're being cautious the clients are going well what are you what are you using and how is it how does it benefit me and what savings are you making and how are you going to pass those on they're at such different stages right now um and I don't know how that's going to change next year, whether you're, I think it's early days for clients to start. Well, I don't know in what time frame they'd start taking on, you know, for, for the ones who are being, being progressive, it may maybe won't take that long before they, you've, you've already seen changes with the people that you speak to in terms of bringing more work in house. I suppose it doesn't have to be in a particularly long time frame that they start to just do more and they go, do you know what? I'm fed up with this. You're not, you're not doing enough and you're not passing on the cost. So I just do it myself. So there's always this saying where, you know, it's not about something, it's about something. So, you know, in legal, I was talking to somebody who was, we were talking about law firm profitability and finance. And he said, you know, it's not about the money. It's about the money. And I think when we're talking at this moment, in this watershed moment of talking about technology and driving innovation, it's really about trust. And so you're like, it's, it's, you know, it's about, it's not about trust, it's about technology. It's about trust. And so I've, 
have been lucky this year to conduct hundreds of interviews, including a report that just came out featuring 60 general counsel, the general counsel in, I, I forget, I think it was 11 countries. So really trying to get a wonderful cross-section, a holistic look at what teams are thinking and the the relationships where there's just profound trust between the client and the law firm that knows their business and that can say, we know your business so well. We've developed this. We know that in this aspect of your business, there's a challenge. We know it because we build it, it more time than in other areas. We know it because the risk factors are really high. We know it because we recently presented to the board. We think this might work. And you can trust us because, A, you know, we're, we're working on this together. We've been working with you for a long time. Those projects tend to get moving. And mm -hmm. next year – law firms, and any sort of professional services organization that has built a strong enough level of trust with their client will be able to help their client along. Because again, the client's business is whatever the client is doing. The, the driving change and the innovation and the new technology is part of it. It empowers it. It lifts it up. But it's not necessarily the impetus for why they come to work every day. And so this, the idea of, of this kind of collaborative relationship is going to be built on trust and those who have the strongest level of trust and also use that trust to better understand the business will be able to find use cases and opportunities for growth on both sides that will will tend to push these issues forward yeah it'd be interesting. fascinating to see well i'm sure we'll see loads more examples next year obviously already the awards you know the awards are highlighting projects you know where clients and and law firms are working together so i'm sure next year we'll start to see a lot of more gen ai type projects coming out can i just make one recommendation to folks uh before we go which is yeah. because the this tends to kind of move fast and slow right like it's like oh it's moving so quickly but we haven't gone anywhere for you know and so we're almost like on this circular people mover as opposed to one taking us from one one place to another but Many years ago, actually, this will be 28 years, I started keeping a journal where I write in the journal once a year, only once a year around New Year's, on New Year's, day after New Year's, whatever, reflecting back, looking ahead. And I think it would be really interesting if people started doing that a little bit more often because while day to day it's not clear, over the course of a period of time, you really learn something. And if if you're planning to spend, you know, 30, 40 years in a particular field, looking back, I obviously didn't write anything about my much of my career, but it was very interesting to be like, oh, I'm, I'm dating this girl. And I wonder, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, we've been married for 23 years. So I just think that there's oh. a very interesting, no, but I, I think from a professional standpoint, it's also interesting yeah. to look at. So, you know, yeah. for the four people that are on, I really hope that they do that. But I also think from a, from a, institutional perspective it also preserves that institutional know-how which tends to get lost in a in a market uh where people are moving growing changing shifting there you go so we've got some really good takeaways from the session are you on fire? amazing amazing uh, next next week stay tuned for our our uh dueling guitars and yes! caroling <laughs> oh my goodness i'm gonna get practicing yeah. i'll do ode to joy you're blinking it while I'm doing <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Grinder. I'm sorry, it's not going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, look, I'm Ari Kaplan, an honor to speak to you. I'm Caroline Hill. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>